Hello and welcome back to the Euro Trips Across the Pod NFL podcast for something a little bit different today. As you know, we've been going through a lot of the team season previews with different fans. We thought we'd have a change up for one episode. We're going to do our all-time NFL teams. We'll have 11 on offense, 11 on defense, uh, and we'll find out. You'll find out on this episode today who I think, as well as my guest today, think is the best overall team of all time. So, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm this week joined by returning guests who were actually on only recently in the Bears and Eagle season preview podcast, respectively. I've got back with me, Steve and Luke from the Hair Dry Treatment podcast. How are you two? Oh, we're doing good. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. good. Nice, nice Sunday. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm ready. I mean, we had the the Hall of Fame game during the week, which obviously isn't actual Mm -hmm. football, but it kind of whets the appetite. And it realize, makes you realise it's starting to get close to the start of the season again. We're almost there. Could we change the, the title of this uh, podcast as well? Could we change it to the 11 best offensive players and the 85 Bears defence? <laughs> <laughs> can, can we just do that right now? Is that okay? <laughs> to be fair, actually, um, in terms of individual season, would you say the Bears, that Bears team is the best individual season we've seen from a team? Or I know it's obviously the, the 72 Dolphins has to be up there. You've got the... The Patriots team that should have really won the Super Bowl in 2007. Um, who yeah, would you I mean, it's best overall team. It, it, do you know what? I think the 85 Bears defense stands the test, and, and and actually their season was unbelievable, really, when you look at it. But the, the de- I mean, if you're talking just defensively, wow, mm. they were some team, and and you know, there's there's not that many that that come close, um, but. You know, you've got to give kudos to, to the Dolphins and, and all that sort of stuff as well, haven't you? You really have. I know you're, I know you're a fan of the Dolphins, uh, Andy, but you've, you've got to also... I watched the the, um, the documentary on it and, oh, my gosh, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. And it was just... It was like joy just to watch how good they were. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, when you watch these documentaries and you think, oh, yeah, I'm not that bothered. But this one, I was fully invested in. I was just like, I'm in love with this team. It's so good. And it's just... Same for the 85 Bears as well. They were yeah. so good all over the place. So, you know, what, what can you say? <laughs> yeah, of course, the one team to beat the Bears that season, in the regular season, was, of course, the Dolphins. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that that was the only kind of, you know, kind of blot in the landscape. But, you know, they, again, you know, that this is the thing about it. This is why football is so beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Because even the best teams can get beaten you know, on a week and, and get caught in a trap game. So it doesn't matter when or how. To, and that's why and I love totally football so much. There, to be totally fair there, there is absolutely no shame in ever losing to Dan Leo team. No. Ever. Well, that's it. I will come on to that as well, actually. That'll be a, a really good conversation, in fact. Um, but yeah, I just think there's there's going to be a lot of really good chat in this, this pod, actually. I've been looking forward to it all week. Yeah, definitely. And for Steve, would you say, obviously you mentioned the Bears and the Dolphins, is there any other team you can think of individual season-wise that we've missed out? Anyone you'd recommend? Uh, I don't know, because when, when I started watching football, it was just as the uh, the Niners were coming to the dynasty. So, you know, if, when, when the UK started uh, showing it was when the Bears kind of won in, in 85 and we were introduced to the Bears and how dominant they were. And then just after that, we saw that shift towards, you know, San Francisco and uh, winning it pretty much every season. Montana being that legendary leader. Uh, Elway obviously coming through as well. Um, and the unfortunate series of Super Bowl losses for the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> which, if I'm entirely honest, I think we might see repeated this season. Actually, yeah, to be fair, I, I, you could be right. I think that, for me, 
The Bills have to be the AFC favourite, I think. The Bengals are probably the next most likely team to reach it. But I think for me, the Bills are by far the best team in the AFC, AFC or even the whole of the NFL. If you look at from position to position, they're stacked in every position. And I think that, you know, they lost four times with twice to the Cowboys, one to Washington and obviously the wide right game against the Giants. But I do say, you know, they haven't yet won the big game and they've lost to the Chiefs, you know, two consecutive seasons. They haven't quite done it in the big game yet. So I'm thinking you know, get them to Super Bowl when they get there, you know, you'd think it'd be up against either Rodgers, Brady or Stafford in the in the big game. And you think, you know, it could happen again. And I think that we could see easily the Rams in Super Bowl year after year. The Packers, if they, if they get it right without Adams, they'll they'll be competing every year in the Buccaneers. And I do think that, I, ho- I hope it carries on if I'm honest, but um, at the same time, I do like Josh Allen. So it's, um, it's hard not to dislike him really, even though he plays for one of our rivals. You're completely wrong there, Andy. Obviously, they'll be facing Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl this year. You know that. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I think they are the biggest dark horse in the NFC in terms of. I think we mentioned off season, the season preview, but I do think they've had a really good off season. I do think that whilst I don't think they'll be quite there all the way, I can't see them not making the playoffs. And I can see them making at least a division round, maybe even on a really good season, maybe even the NFC Championship game. It all comes down to him. Yeah, I can't argue that. It's one of those. Defensively, they look, you know, they're, they're still solid. We drafted really well, uh, mm. picked up key positions. And uh, yeah, offensively, certainly we have one of the top five wide receivers in the league in AJ Brown. So mm. we have him and we have Heisman winner, Devonta Smith on the other. It's all going to be down to that third year pickup for Jalen Hurts. But anyway, we didn't talk, we talk about today's football. <laughs> and and yeah. you haven't mentioned Jalen um, um, drops it, Rigor, have you? You've forgotten <laughs> about that. I don't, I Jalen don't know who there is. We dropped. I've, I've never heard of that player, Luke. Um, I've Rigor, heard of whatever his name is. I've heard of a guy called Rigolaw. Rigor. But I don't think he plays for his Rigor. Anymore. No, no, Rigor. 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 It's down to Lucas see whether they want their team to have two running backs or three receivers. Like, for example, my team will have two wide receivers, one running back and one tight end, as well as defence, the same thing, whether they want a 3-4-4-3. So, for example, mine's going to be 4-3, so two defensive ends, two defensive tackles and three linebackers. So, we're going to start off with the quarterback. Uh, sorry, well, actually, before we go to quarterback, we are going to quickly go over some positions that maybe aren't quite as sexy for the podcast. So, in terms of my kicker and punter, um, I think for me, again, there aren't many people I think better kicking-wise in history than Justin Tucker. He's the most accurate kicker ever, longest field goal in history, fastest kicker to reach 1,000 points. It goes on and on. 12-time AFC player of the week. For me, Justin Tucker is my kicker. And then my um, one of my my punter, even, I should say, is a guy called Shane Leckler. Uh, he's one of the six specialists to reach the all-time NFL 100 team, uh, six-time all-proler. All time, all, six all-time All-Pro player, seven-time Pro Bowler. And then since my offensive lineman, um, I, I'll quickly run through it. I've got Anthony Munoz, left tackle. Forrest Gregg, left guard. Left guard. Centre-back is Bruce Matthews, uh, due to his versatility. I'll put him there. Larry Allen is my right guard. And then Orlando Pace as my right tackle. But these guys in my team are protecting Tom Brady. For me, 
There's many good callbacks in the league. I think Tom Brady, Welsh, got some callbacks. I imagine could be mentioned in a bit. They had more talent. I do think at the same time, he's a seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL MVP, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, six-time All-Pro. He's in the 2000s and the 2010s All-Decade team. Looking at his stats as well for Tom Brady, over the course of his career, He's had um, a 64.2 completion percentage record, uh, almost 90,000 yards, 624 touchdowns with just 203 interceptions. And for me, this for me, what sets him above everyone else, in my opinion, at a callback, is the intangibles. He has the leadership. He's had receiver after receiver after receiver. He's never had a, like a Jerry Rice, never had a Devontae Adams, never had mm. Mandy Moss one year or two years, apart from, you know, Edelman and Amendola in playoff football, he's never really had many elite receivers. And I think that he keeps finding ways to win. A constant thing I hear from people is that he's a system quarterback, but what quarterback isn't, everyone's just into a system. And for me, anything about him, you you can't hate personally. And I think he's just, for me, I don't think I can, I can myself put anyone in that isn't Tom Brady as my quarterback. Um, we'll head next. I'll better order to Luke. So, Luke, if you quickly go through your kicker, punter, and lineman before then, giving us who is the quarterback in your all time NFL team. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, I was going to go with, uh, as my punter, I was going to go Pat McAfee because I've always just liked him. Um, kicker wise, actually, I was tempted by Robbie Gold, actually, because he's a bit of a Bears legend and I'm a Bears fan and I love him. I love him to bits, but I can't argue with Justin Tucker because I think Justin Tucker's been absolutely brilliant. And, and you know, really, I, I don't think you can argue against him. And, and just in terms of what he's done over the, over his career, he's, he's just had a, a fantastic career. Really great player. Um, in terms of my offensive line, I think you've got to mention Andrew Whitworth as one of the modern-day legends in terms of what he's done. Um, he, has just, he has just been a machine pretty much wherever he's played. And and you know has has uh, it, it really has a reputation kind of beyond reproach. Um, I've actually forgotten who else I had in my, in my old line. Actually, I probably need to come back on that because I completely had a bit of a brain fart. I did write it down and then I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> I will come back on the old line actually because I had it written down and I've just lost it. I've just misplaced it all. And um, my top quarterback though, and this is the big talking point. Um, I'm going to go with Joe Montana. And, yeah. and the reason, I mean, I think if we were talking top modern day quarterbacks, then I would have went with Brady. And and I don't think, I mean, he is undoubtedly in a conversation, right? I mean, he is brilliant. And, and I'm with you. I don't totally 100% buy that he's a system quarterback. I think he's, his, um, his record at Tampa kind of disproves that. I think if he'd stayed in New England for all his career, then it might have been a legitimate sort of, you know, um, you know, commentary to say, oh, well, he, he only fits because he's in Belichick's system and all that sort of stuff. But I think the fact that he went and did it with Tampa as well just goes to show that, in fact, you know, he, he does he does get it. Um, and I think he is a really great quarterback. I think he has a very different sort of skill set to a lot of the more modern guys in that he's much more... He's not as mobile, he's much more of a pocket QB, um, but he's not afraid to get rid of it either. But if you've been, you know, in the NFL for a few years, Joe Montana was where it was at. He was just too good. Everything about him 
Um, he had a lot of talent around him, but he was literally, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm a bit of a fanboy of Dan Marino. He was another one that I really thought, I, I really wanted to, to think about whether I would put him in. Um, and I really did seriously think about it because I do I, I, did, I did really rate him and I remember as a kid watching him and thinking he was brilliant. Um, and also of the modern ones, Drew Brees is someone that I love. So that, that was kind of the four people that I'd thought about in terms of my top um, my top QBs. Um, you know, because again, those are the, the top four that were in. There are many, many more, but I think those were the ones that were in my mind. But Dan Marino just came out. It, for me, he just stands out. I, I think he's hands, hands above everyone else in terms of how he... You know how he he really changed the way that the NFL worked. Um, you know, they pretty much originated the West Coast offense, didn't they? Um, he just he was so accurate. He was he was mobile, probably more than people remember. I mean, a lot of people still think he was like a pocket QB, but that, I don't think that was the case. And if I, I look back at some of the some of the highlights, and you can see that he was he was always quite mobile in the pocket and and getting out. Um, <laughs> he just dominated the NFC, didn't he? So that, that's for me. Anyway, Joe Montana was just night, light years above beyond anyone else. And and I'm sorry for the Tom the Tom Brady fans, and I'm sorry for the the guys that wanted Dan Marino. And sorry, Andy. Um, <laughs> but I just I just love him. I, I would have had him in my team like a shot. He was just brilliant. So there you go. That's that's kind of my choice. I'll come back to you and I'll the the online stuff. I'll go and see and find where I had it all written down because I seem to have had a technical misfunction. <laughs> so I'll let Steve carry on with his and I can always come back to it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean we want to run it back some wide receivers and stuff. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's not a problem. I mean, Dan Reno for me is the Stephen Gerald of the NFL, talent wise, so good. Oh, that is harsh. But, is it not though? Yeah, that one thing that eluded him, like Gerald of the Premier League. Dan Reno just couldn't get that super boring. And some really average quarterbacks like Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer. And you could even say, sorry, Steve, Nick Foles to win two bowls. They've got half the talent Mm. that Dan Reno had. But Joe Montana, I think, is a good shout. Hall of Famer, of course. Eight-time Pro Bowler. Four-time Super Bowl champion. Three-time Super Bowl MVP. He finished his career with a 117-47 record as a starter, a 63.2 completion percentage, and had 40,551 yards with 273 touchdowns and 139 interceptions. I mean, he's nicknamed Joe Cool for a reason. My dad actually was a big fan of the sport when he was in in that Channel 4 era, when he was Mm. a sort of teenager. And because of Montana, he did fall in love with the 49ers. Um, But now he's probably not quite as into the sport as he was before but watching those old tapes of those you know, the football life documentaries and the America's game which I think is one of the best things ever to come out on TV and that watching those 49 that dynasty they had um, was was really good to watch and they were one of the best teams again we mentioned before we start the podcast that team they had was one of the best we've seen individually on a mm. season so I've got no argument with with Joe Montana personally I think I think he's definitely in the top three, definitely the Mount Rushmore of, of NFL quarterbacks in history. Um, Steve, finally, over to you. If you quickly give us your kicker, your punter and lineman before then giving us who you think is the best quarterback in NFL history. 
The kicker was an interesting one because um, for me, there's actually three, and Tucker is, as as Lucas pointed out, utterly amazing. But there are two that compete with him for me. Um, there's Morton Anderson of the Saints, who you know, from a, a, a numbers point of view, was just absolutely insane. And obviously, he was there during that kind of 85, 90, 92 early period when I was starting to get into the game. Uh, and then there's the man who just seemed to never ever age, uh, and that's who the guy that's going to get my vote is Adam Vinatieri. Uh, great the guy who, great who played, played till he was, what, 41 in that position? Absolutely insane to, to maintain the leg strength and longevity that, that Vinatieri had and stay, you know, not just at that level, but at that team. I mean, Vinatieri is the very definition of a one-player team, a one-player, a one-team man. Um, and I just, he was one of those guys that, up until maybe the last couple of years when it all started to go a little awry, it was like you just you knew when the ball was down, it was a point, it was three points. It was just he was he was almost as consistent for me as, as Anderson, but he was just that the longevity is what takes him beyond that for me. And Tucker is incredible. And I think if Tucker, if we were having this conversation in three to four years' time and Tucker was still kicking at the level he's kicking now, he would probably he would probably sneak past Morton Anderson and I'd have to toss a coin between him and Vinatieri. Uh, Punter-wise, no, nobody really cares about punters except for Pat McAfee. Are you trying to say they're not people or something? Uh, only, only someone we know <laughs> would say they're not people. The only punter anyone has ever cared about is Pat McAfee um, because not just as a punter, where he was incredibly talented, um, but as a person, as a, a team... Who, who would have thought a punter would have been a team leader um, at the Colts? The kind of guy that brought players through, that motivated players, that you know was at the heart of everything that went on in that dressing room. Pat McAfee, probably the best punter the league's ever had. And I appreciate I've just picked two Colts at the start of this. Uh, I'll try and remedy that for the rest of my choices. <laughs> Before we carry on, that McAfee has one of the best ever... Um onside returns we've ever seen in the NFL. As a yes, what he received it himself, yes. Yeah, that was one of the best I've ever seen. I think there's these days it's really hard, actually. The chances of succeeding is getting less and less every year, but that is one of the most innovative, creative ideas I've, I've ever seen. So you, that was, you say it's getting harder and harder every year, but I seem to recall Young Wei Koo had, what, four onside mm. kicks received last year, mm. two in the Pretty same good. game. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he should be in that conversation in the next 20 years. If he I, think, what he's done. I think he's got a long way to go for he's in that conversation, but I do think, you know, he, he's a very good player. Um, so, yeah, if you want to give us your lineman very quickly before then giving us your quarterback. Yeah, lineman's an odd one because lineman's not one that anyone really, well, not that I ever really kind of look at. Um, I've really only got, you know, three or four here. Obviously, from a totally biased point of view, uh, at centre, I would want to have Jason Kelks because I want him, you know, pre- protecting my quarterback no matter what. Um but I'd have to really dig in at the past to pick up anyone else. I'd say it was incredible. Um, probably I'd say Bruce Matthews from the, the Oilers slash Titans, which I'm sure Paul will appreciate if he's listening to this. Um, here's a guy that just, you know, he was versatile. He was dominant. He could play center. He could play guard. You know, he was a pro bowl pretty much every season he played. He was an absolute Iron Man. I just loved it. He's one of those guys that you just weren't getting past. Um, and I think if I remember my stats correctly, he is second only to Brett Favre in terms of career starts with 292. Okay, okay. Um, so we've got, uh, just quickly run through the rest and then we'll um, get on to quarterback. Yeah, all right. So I also want to partner him with uh, Randall McDaniel from the Vikings. 
um, who again, you know, superb player that could play, he could play pretty much anywhere across that offensive line. Uh, bump that on to Larry Allen, um, who was just one of those insanely talented guys, like 6'3", 325, and you were like, how do you get around this guy? He's a man mountain. Uh, you know, 11 Pro Bowls and in the Hall of Fame, obviously. And then, well, should I put, I want to put a Bengals player in here because I, I feel like he deserves it because I kind of, I love watching Boomer Sison play and the reason I loved him play, loved watching him play was because he had Anthony Munoz defending him. Uh, Munoz was one of the best outside kind of defensive lives like Michaels in the game. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he could wall off a guy for two counts, pancake him and, and just, yeah. I, I can't put in words just how hard it was, must have been for people to play against Dante Munoz. Offensive linemen aren't made to pancake the guys that are rushing them, but Munoz had a tendency to do that. He didn't just create holes, he basically created massive wide lanes. Um, and if you run running behind him, you were just so grateful. Okay, so Steve, who is the quarterback in your team? Ah, this is a really tough one. Um, It, go, it comes down to a personal bias, and this probably isn't, from a statistical point of view, the guy who I should be saying, the guy who I look at and say, oh, this, he's done this, he's done that, he's done the rest of it. But I am going to agree with Luke and go with Dan Marino, um, arguably the most talented quarterback I have mm-hmm. ever watched. Um, the three guys you named there, the likes of Foles and Flacco, yes, I get it. They had like 100% less talent, but 100% more rings. That's that, That's... Not the point in a, in a situation like this. The, the guy was he's the best quarterback I have ever watched play. The most relaxed quarterback I've watched play. And probably with the exception of Brees, the most accurate quarterback I've ever th- saw play. Um, mm. It didn't matter whether it was a five-yard or a 55-yard pass. Marino would absolutely drop it on a dime. Um, he was so, so unfortunate not to get that ring. Um, and it's, i got to say, it's... It's not down to him. It's not even down to his, his head coach. And it's just down to the, the fact that you just he didn't have players playing with him who were as good and as smart and as, as forward-thinking and could read the game as well as he could. I think if they'd recruited a little better, the Dolphins would have had a, a dynasty that we're talking about in the same way as we're talking about Brady when he was at the Bucks or talking about Montana at the Niners. Yeah, I think he's just desperate and lucky that... If he had one, two, if he had even three rings, I think if he had three rings or even two, I think people would probably call him one of the best, probably the best ever. But I think, yeah, it's sadly for him. Doesn't quite get the recognition that he deserves. But moving on now to the rest of our offence. Now, we'll go through each team individually. So for me, I went for one running back, two wide receivers and one tight end. My running back is Barry Sanders. For me, he's simply the best. I watched his football life about six months ago, having never really watched his clips before in true detail. And watching him, he was just an absolute animal. He had 10 Pro Bowls, 15,000 career rushing yards, 1,000 yards in every season at least. Um, had almost 3,000 career receiving yards. Uh, back, back then, of course, when that was a time when running backs you could receive wasn't quite a big thing as it is now. Um, he had 99 career rushing touchdowns. He had almost 100 as well. And for me, he could do everything. And for me, Barry Sanders is my running back. I went with two receivers. Um, first one probably isn't a shock, Jerry Rice. Um, he, had, he has most career yards for any receiver 
most touchdowns and most receptions, a 10-time All-Pro, 13-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl champion, of course a Hall of Famer, and he played for a long time and was still, at least until the end, he was still doing it. And my other one, I was torn between how to whether I have two tight ends, whether to have three receivers and no tight ends. So I have to mention people like Tony Gonzalez, Calvin Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. But for me, I've gone for Randy Moss. Um, he has the fourth most career yards. He's a four-time four, four first-team All-Pro. He's a six-time Pro Bowler. He made the 2000s All-Decade team. He was Rookie of the Year, Hall of Famer. He had 10,000-yard or more seasons. He had a record even now with 23 touchdowns in one season. And he also had two 17-touchdown seasons. Um, so for me... I had to put him in, even though, again, he didn't have that ring. He came so close to the Patriots that one year where they lost to the helmet captain, David Tyree. And in my tight end, uh, I've gone for two, not one, apologies. Um, I've gone for, again, probably a bit of modern-day bias, but I've gone for Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski. Now, the only reason why I've got them to head of Tony Gonzalez is the fact that they are both incredibly clutch in the postseason. Rob Gronkowski... Obviously, four Super Bowls, 15 career postseason touchdowns alone, 4,000-yard seasons, and just like um, Kelsey, both absolutely always perform in playoffs. Uh, Kelsey, the same thing. He has, uh, obviously, one ring, three-time All-Pro, there, seven Pro Bowler. Uh, of course, he's still playing now. Six straight 1,000-yard seasons, and he has 10 touchdowns in 15 playoff games, as well as 57 career touchdowns overall. So for me, uh, those those two for me, I think Larry Fitzgerald came very close because he was amazing in both regular and postseason. And of course, he had one of the best performances I've seen in the Super Bowl without winning it in that game against the Steelers and the whole playoff run itself. He was phenomenal that year. So that is my 11 for my offense. We're going to head over now back to Luke to give me give us his rest of his offense. Okay, so I went with two running backs. Uh, so I went, first of all, no surprise for Walter Payton. <laughs> Just, I mean, he doesn't no, need any... No bias there. <laughs> doesn't need any explanation. He was just, for me, the greatest. Um, and, and you know, really, I don't need to say too much more about Walter Payton except how awesome he was. But he, he was just so effective and, and, and he was he was such a great weapon. Um his stats are kind of second to nothing, really, in terms of like how how good he was, and and I don't think the stats even tell half the story about you know how how good he was really when it you know when it comes down to it. There's so many others that were in the conversation. I mean, you, you've only got to look at people like OJ Simpson, and 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 you know people like that that are you know the great Eric Dickerson's another one that I thought about in the, my greatest ever because again, he was. He was arguably amazing in his first six seasons or so, um, and and he was huge. I mean, he was what he was over six foot, I think. I want to say something like that. He was massive, so he was like he, he was huge. And if you look back on some of the the, the you know the, the footage of that guy, he was unbelievably good. Um, and I think the other honourable mention was Emmett Smith again because he was just brilliant. He, he was he was fantastic, and I remember watching the Cowboys in the nineties and how good he was there. Um, but ultimately, the other running back I went for was Barry Sanders, and again for the same reasons as you, Andy. I, I, I don't think you can mention top running backs without him being 
in that conversation and being at the top of the list. Um, there's not many that I think can can touch him, really, in terms of what he did and in terms of how good he was and, and, and how good he was at his peak. Um, only having one season under 1,300 yards probably tells a story in itself about how good he was. I mean, and you know, that in itself is, is probably enough justification for saying, yeah, that guy was awesome. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think that anyone can match how good he was in the field in terms of how he, how he moved. Um, he was just, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I remember in, in my childhood, I was a running back when I, when I played, you know, um, and I always wanted to be as good as him whenever I, when I played as a kid. Um, but yeah, he was brilliant. Uh, I've gone for a three-wide receiver and one tight end set. So no surprises at the top of my set, Jerry Rice. Again, no real conversation needed there because he's just like he's he was unbelievable. And and again, if anyone if anyone's relatively new to the NFL, go go find some video, watch how good that guy was. He was unbelievable, like literally unbelievable. Um, you know, you could pretty much throw anything up and he would have got it. But he was just he was just such an unplayable player. And at his peak, I don't think anyone could have covered him. And, and you know, uh, honestly, the same is true of my other pick, uh, Megatron, Cameron Johnson. Just, again, so good. Um, he was a total, total machine. And and probably deserved an awful lot more credit than he actually got, and a lot more a, a lot more honours really at the end of the day. Um, but he was arguably the best of his generation, and and, and quite some distance. So I, I, you know I don't think that anyone could really argue with having him in an all time uh, list. And then another one, my final uh, choice is Randy Moss. Again, for the same reasons, he was just so good. Um, and, and he's another one, again, that you should definitely go watch footage of. If you become like a scholar of the game, just go watch how he played and, and his movement and how he did it. It was unbelievable. Um, that They were all... They were all the kind of wide receivers that would walk into any team today, as far as I'm concerned. Every single one of them. There, there, there was absolutely no conversation whatsoever. And even with the top guys right now, I think he'd be, each one of them would, would probably beat them. Um, and then at tight end, this was a bit of a tough one, actually. Um, I, and I'm still, I'm, I must admit, I'm still swithering because I've got two names written down. And if I could choose two of them, I would do. But I you was going to go. Say, I will say to you that actually, if you have two tight ends in, that makes it a 13 man team. So you may have I to know. get rid of some players here. <laughs> I've gone, uh, no, oh yeah, no, sorry, yeah, yeah, because I've gone two, three, two, haven't I? I'm yeah. thinking from, from back through what, right, okay, so I'm going to cut then, okay, I'll cut Megatron out of my team then actually because I miscounted. There we go, so I'll cut Megatron, so I've got Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and then I've got Tony Gonzalez. It was going to be Gronk, and then I changed my mind right at the last minute. Now, I think Gronk is arguably in a modern day game as unplayable as he could possibly be in the, at his peak. And, um, and, and I think probably is is up there in terms of the conversation for being one of the greatest, really. Um, but I think Gonzalez did so much more, really, and and you know was was probably just a little bit better over the over the piece. 
Um, and, and again, I think maybe that this is the kind of historical sort of thing uh, going on in my head. But I just think Gonzalez had a, a lot more about him. Um, Gronk really relied a lot on his size, but Gonzalez was an awful lot more athletic, I would say, in terms of how he, you know, how he played his game. So it was, you know, I think it was a very different kind of game. But he was also massive as well. But it, it was a very different sort of approach to the game that he had. He still dominated opposition players and and had loads of mismatches. But yeah, yeah. Um, so that's my choices for my um, my offensive players. Sorry for miscounting. Duh. Um. Um, I've lost all my notes, so I'm kind of winging it just now. But I knew exactly who I was going to pick on my offense anyway. So um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that is a very good team. That's um, that team would absolutely win. Would go six to seventeen and zero, and it would win the Super Bowl. That's a great team. Mm. Mm. Right now, finally, over to you, Steve. If you give us the rest of your offense. Okay. So. I'm going to... Right, so we've done quarterback. Let's start with wide receivers because frustratingly, Luke has gone for exactly the same three wide receivers that I went for. (laughs) Um, And it's one of those, I I think, I feel like I've kind of watched more football than Luke and yet I can't argue with his three choices. Um, I think I'll I'll start with the one that that, that needs discussion the most, which is Calvin Johnson. Um, Because Calvin Johnson, and you'll follow... This is the pattern that you'll follow in my picks here. He's one of those players who he was denied um, the kind of um, success he deserved as a person and a player by shitty owners. Um, you know, the, the Lions' ownership was uh, and always has been a franchise that, you know, it, it overvalues its talent to the point where they will retire rather than continue to play for them because they are so bad. Um and they, they have been responsible for the destruction of two of the greatest talents to ever play the game, um, one of which I'll get to later. Um, so, yeah, Calvin Johnson, for me, Luke, Luke said it himself. I remember watching a YouTube video where someone said, let's play Madden, yeah? And on every single play, we will just throw to Calvin Johnson and see how it works out. Uh, Calvin Johnson won 95% of those aerial duels in the video game. Calvin Johnson in real life probably won about 80% of his aerial duels. He was absolutely unplayable when you put him in a 50-50. There were very few cornerbacks or safeties could get near him in terms of pace, and there were very few could out-jump him. So as long as you had a quarterback that was throwing accurately, which Stafford did quite well, you know, Megatron was always going to get you know huge, huge seasons. Um, but at the end, of his, as he was coming towards the end of his career, it was like, he needed to win something. He knew for his legacy, he needed to cement by getting a ring. So he needed a trade. And the Lions, being the Lions, flat out said no. It's not, not even considered, you know, X pick, Y pick, the rest of it. They just went, no. You're under contract. You stay here. Johnson retired. And we lost one of the game's best talents due to shitty ownership. And he may well um, be the most recent inductee to the Hall of Fame in any of our teams, really. Yeah, I don't think anyone who saw Calvin Johnson play um, would ever say that, that wasn't one of the best few wide receivers of all time. Mm. Uh, number two, Randy Moss. Um, how, how do I define Randy Moss? Um, and the weird thing with Randy Moss is, uh, from a career perspective, he actually didn't start out brilliantly. He didn't have a great rookie year. He's one of those players who year by year by year grew into the game and actually took that move from, from Minnesota 
down to um, down through Oakland and onto New England for us to really recognise how amazing he was. He had that great rookie year where he scored like yeah, he had 17 touchdowns. Then he kept the yardage up, but he seemed to kind of fade in the touchdowns. But he was just consistent, 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 consistent in Minnesota. But again, he's at a bad franchise. And let's be honest, he was never going to win anything at the Vikings because the Vikings are serial failures. Being one of their uh, the, the group mates, Luke will know just how bad the Vikings are when it comes to playoffs. And he will know just how bad they are in the regular season, except for some reason when they play the Packers. <laughs> um, yeah, Randy Moss is one of those that just, how I think I'm looking at his career stats just now. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten separate thousand yard receiving seasons. Um, that's just insane, especially with when you consider in Minnesota who was throwing to him. Um, even in Oakland, he managed to get a thousand yards, <laughs> thousand yard receiving season with a bad QB. Um, and then obviously he went to New England, and this guy called Brady showed up, and oh yeah. Things things improved dramatically, but yeah, Randy Moss is, is an absolute legend of the game. Um, deserves to be in any top three, and of course, at the top, the greatest wide receiver of all time, the untouchably greatest wide receiver of all time in Jerry Rice. Um, not a guy that was there just because of a system. Not a guy that was successful just because of a good quarterback because he played under several. A guy who was naturally gifted could outthink most defensive players he went against, had an amazing vertical leap, had pace to burn, you know, had the ability to break tackles like nobody I've seen since. Um, you know, I just, I want to say that the the Niners dynasty was built on Montana, but I really need to say the Niners dynasty was built on Rice and Montana came along for the ride. Yeah. Great duo there. Um. I am only going for one tight end. Uh, and again, I like to go for guys who I think deserved more recognition than they got. Guys who, you know, they maybe, they, they didn't get the rings. They didn't get the, the massive winning seasons. They weren't the guy. But when you look at the stats and you look at the longevity and you look at what they did, um, there's only one guy for me, and that's Antonio Gates. Um, Antonio Gates had, well, how many seasons was it? 12, 13? No, longer than that. 2003 to 2018, 15 years as a tight end. And this is a guy who didn't even set out to play football. This is a guy who in college went to play basketball. And the only reason that he ended up playing football was because they told him he was too much of a tweener to make it to the NBA. As in, he, he, they couldn't define which position he should play. Was he a guard? Was he a, you know, was he a power forward? Was he a center kind of thing? So he... he Transferred back, they made him play. Well, they gave him an, a, a tryout. The you know the the Chargers saw his potential and immediately signed him. And then it was just like, just year on year on year on year, he got better, he got better, he got better, he got better. Uh, I believe we look at his stats. He is he's the seventh tight end with five career receptions, the ninth player and the second tight end to catch hundred receiving touchdowns. Um, he has eleven thousand eight hundred and forty-one receiving yards in his career as a tight end, 116 touchdowns. There are very few wide receivers who have careers like that, right? But when you get that from a tight end, you get that level of longevity. You know, if you recall, um, what was the season? 2014, he had 12 passing touchdowns as a tight end. Kels hasn't had that. Gonzalez never had that. None of the absolute legends you're talking about ever had that. 
He had 13 passing touchdowns in the 2004 season. He is the absolute model of a consistent, athletic, loyal player, which the NBA, the NFL really lacks these days. Uh, and I just, I just love the guy. I love him as a person. I love him as a human being. And I love him as a tight end. And then finally, who is your running back? Who is my running back? Um, there are two. And again, annoyingly, they match up with Luke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they don't quite. So obviously Barry Sanders. I don't think Barry Sanders will ever not be in that conversation. Um, but one uh, one thing I have to do with my picks is I have to pick guys who I saw play. So I think uh, Luke's gone for Peyton, which I totally respect. because Obviously being a Bears fan and Peyton being the amazing player that he was, that's great. I never really saw Peyton in his prime. I saw Peyton towards the end of his career. Uh, whereas the guy who I'm choosing, and this leaves a really, really, you know, big mm. stick in the back of my throat for even choosing him. Uh, my second choice guy is Emmett Smith. Um, Emmett Smith was the absolute heart of a Cowboys team that won three Super Bowls. Um, he was a Super Bowl MVP. Very rare for that to happen with a running back. Um, he was a guy who, as an Eagles fan, I detested seeing that he was fit and on a lineup because I knew we would be in trouble playing against him. Uh, he had amazing hands. He could cut like you wouldn't believe. His pace was incredible. And he could, if he needed to, he could truck a guy. Um, Smith was one of those players who, he was at the right team at the right time with the right level of ability. We talk about how Sanders was, was stuck or we were going to talk in a minute about how Sanders was stuck with a bad franchise that didn't recognise his talent and wouldn't let him go when he needed to. Uh, Smith was probably, for me, slightly less talented than Sanders, but still an amazing talent on the right lineup at the right time. Um, and I may have smiled a little bit when he went to the Cardinals and fell off at the end of his career. <laughs> uh, obviously, yeah, my, my first choice is Barry Sanders for every reason that Luke suggested and for the fact that um, I don't think, I think much like Megatron, if Sanders had not played for such a shitty franchise, they would, and he'd be able to go to a genuine contender. Uh, we'd be talking about him in terms of his three, four, five Super Bowl wins, because he was by far for me the best running back I've ever seen play. Mm. Um, pace, power, the ability to cut, spin, uh, great hands, uh, great leadership. You know, just a very positive individual uh, and someone who was done dirty by his franchise. Yeah, uh, I do want to give an honourable mention there to uh, someone that hasn't come into the conversation there, which is Thurman Thomas. Mm -hmm. um, if you recall, we mentioned earlier about the um, multiple time uh, Bills getting to the Super Bowl, multiple times failing to get win in the Super Bowl, and every year they got there, it was off the back of Thurman Thomas's running. And he, he's a guy who I have absolute sympathy for because he never he never put a foot wrong. He has 12,000 career rushing yards. You know, he's made it to multiple Super Bowls, multiple Pro Bowls. He's been NFL MVP, and yet he just never got the big one because that Bills team just kept coming up against great NFC teams. Yeah, and I think there is definitely a, a trend. I think it's the... As much as we love the NFL draft and how it brings parity to the league, especially in recent years, I do think that that is a problem for players is that if you're good in college or go to a really bad team and you have your whole career spent playing in absolute rubbish. I mean, Joe Burrow, you'd have thought after his first year would have been the same, but that team seems to have changed completely. But I think there's many players 
I mean, Stafford for a long time in the Lions was an example of that. Good players and really bad teams. Trevor Lawrence might be that if he actually becomes a player we think he's going to be. So I think, yeah, I, I think if I was a player, I'd much rather be drafted in the in the middle of the first round, to be honest, and be the first overall pick if I want those rings. Um, over to defence. Now, I picked, as I said before, a 4-3 formation. Um, and I will give Steve the chance to go before Luke. Um, but my yep. team is as followed. So I've gone for two defensive ends. Um, one is Reggie White. Uh, not, not much what you can say about that. Second most sacks in NFL history. He was an absolute beast for both the Packers and also the Eagles. And then my other one is uh, Bruce Smith, who has the most career sacks in NFL history. 2009 Hall of Famer, who's in the 80s and 90s or decade teams, two-time defensive player of the year, eight-time All-Pro and 11-time Pro Bowler. I actually, Steve mentioned Dan Marino and his team. I had a very fortunate uh, luck to be able to speak to Dan Marino on Zoom um, with a bunch of other Dolphins fans just before the London game we had last year. And he told me when I asked him who was the most the best defensive lineman he played against, he told me straight away, Bruce Smith, of course, in those Jim Kelly and Dan Marino rivalry eras. But yeah, those two are absolute phenomenons. Again, before my time, but everything I've watched on YouTube and you know NFL Game Pass and everything I've you know, heard, those two for me are my defensive ends. Defensive tackles, one is playing right now. Probably no shock to see it's Aaron Donald. Uh, one through bowling, eight-time pro bowler, three-time defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, and he's already the 40th in all-time career sacks, and he's still got at least five years left in him. And my other one is Mean Joe Green, uh, four-time Super Bowl champion, five-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, two-time defensive player of the year, and a 10-time pro bowler. And, you know, we mentioned stars, and I think that certainly in that era in the UK in the 80s, where, you know, they only showed certain games and certain teams, and there were certain players that even... Brit, who had no idea what the sport was. They knew everyone knew the fridge, everyone knew Walter Payton, everyone knew Marino and Montana, and I think everyone did know Mean Joe Green. He was that that well known, so he has to be in for me. And then my three linebackers for me, one's the best defensive player of all time in Lawrence Taylor. Uh, he has to go in, ten time Pro Bowler, three time Defensive Player of the Year, two time Super Bowl champion, the nineteen eighty six MVP winner. Only one of two defensive players to ever win the award. The other one was Alan Page in 1971. Uh, 1981 defensive rookie of the year, and he's a 1999 Hall of Famer. Another one, more of a recent player in Ray Lewis. Um, one of my first memories, you know, was seeing him go out and get that ring before he retired. Uh, Third-time Pro Bowler, 13-time Pro Bowler, I should say. Two-time defensive player of the year, two-time Super Bowl champion, and Super Bowl MVP, just one of nine defensive players to ever win that award as well, and the only player to do this on my team. And then also my other player is another older player in Dick Butkus. He was a two-time defensive player of the year in the 1960s and 1970s all-decade team, and he's in the 75th and 100th anniversary teams. And he was just, again, again player before my time, before I've watched, he was, again, an absolute force. And then finally, my secondary my two cornerbacks, one is Deion Sanders. Um, for me, he's the best defensive back I've ever seen. Um, he had the character and everyone loved him. He won two bowls with the 49ers and the Cowboys. Defensive player of the year, he won that as well. An eight-time pro bowler and Hall of Famer. And then my other cornerback, 
who just edges Darrell Reavers for me is Charles Woodson. Um, defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, twice an interception leader in the NFL and a nine-time pro bowler. And he's in the Packers Hall of Fame. And then my two safeties, for me, the best safety of all time in Ed Reed, uh, in both pro and college Hall of Fame, 2004 Defensive Player of the Year, three-time interception leader, Super Bowl champion, and an eight-time All-Pro. And then just edging out Troy Palomalu, I've gone for Ronnie Lott, four-time champion, 10-time pro bowler, two-time interception leader, and he finished his career with 1,146 tackles, 63 interceptions. Now, as Luke stole all of Luke's team, all Steve's team, I should say, we will head to Steve this time for your defence. Oh, go on then, right? So where where would you like me to start? Pick a side, or pick a, an area. We'll go for defensive line first. Defensive line. Uh, right, okay. Which did my... I have a lot of, of candidates for this. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm still not entirely sure on my uh, my answer to this one. Uh, no, 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 no. I, it's one of those, you know when you've got a, a proper coin toss between players and you're like, it's a defensive line, so who do, who do I want coming off the edge? Who do I genuinely fear he's coming anywhere near me? Well... One of them, obviously, I'm not. I'm not even going to have to decide on. You know, being an Eagles fan, being the greatest player I've ever seen play for the Eagles, it's Reggie White. I mean, does anyone ever want to have Reggie White barreling down on them? Can you think of a single player who's ever played against them that said, "I don't mind that guy. My O line's got him." No, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, Reggie White straight up murdered people on the field, um, uh, and he had obviously with him at the time uh, in Jerome Brown, possibly a guy who had he not died tragically, would probably have, you know, matched him, if not passed in terms of tackles and sacks. Uh, Then, I don't know, your your argument for Bruce Smith is compelling, but it's it's not... uh, uh, I, I don't... All right, all right, fine. I did. All right, I'll give you Bruce Smith. I can't. It's one of those. I'm trying to find reasons not to find Bruce Smith because you already picked him and Reggie White, you've already picked him. But at the same time, I just look at his numbers and I remember seeing him playing in Super Bowls. And I remember watching him give such a hard time to you know some really great quarterbacks who were really quite mobile and just could not get away from him. You know, if he, if he beat your uh, your offensive tackle, you were done. You had less than a second, and then you were lying unconscious on the floor. Um, he was just incredible. Uh, and again, this is one of those unfortunate things about that Bills team is that you had him, you had Thurman Thomas, you had a lot of really great talent. They just were in an era where they came up against some NFC teams that were just so, so good. Okay, and then that means, um, in terms of your defence, Steve, are you going for... Uh, 4-3 formation? Are you going for 3-4? How are you looking at your defence? How's it looking? Well, my other problem is because I want to have um, two guys on here who, uh, if, I, if I take them, I'm pretty certain I'm looking at a 4-3. Um, but to be honest, more, when I look at the guys I'm choosing at kind of cornerback safety, um, I'm closer to being a 5-2. Um, but the other two guys... The other two guys I want come off the line. You've already mentioned both of them, Lawrence Taylor and Aaron Donald. I want I want those four 
coming coming at you. I don't want. I don't think there's any offensive line in history that if you had Reggie White, Bruce Smith, Lawrence Taylor, and Aaron Donald coming at them, could have kept the quarterback safe for more than half a second, a second. Those are four guys who, when they rush you, you're just you're done. You 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 could have both. You can have your full line. You can have both your running backs. You can have both your tight ends trying to protect, and those four guys would push through. They would just destroy everything in front of them. Um. So yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna have to go four three. Yeah. Okay, and then who are your three linebackers? Uh, my three linebackers. Uh, hang on, have we already done LT? You had him in your defense defensive line, in your defense. Yeah, hang on, I'm trying to set, look at my setup here. I think it's completely wrong. I'm I'm just looking at my line. I'm thinking this is totally wrong. This is totally and utterly wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think I've gone I've gone too deep. I've gone too many too many cornerbacks and safeties here. Not not enough. Um... I mean, to be fair, I do think that Lawrence Taylor could have easily played at the defensive tackle. I'd, I do think that you know. He's down as a linebacker, but I do obviously I don't know whether he did play any time in his career as defensive tackle, but I, I do think that he was he, he was that good. He could have played anywhere on that defense. Done a good job. Uh, there we go. There's 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 someone else. I'll tell you, I'll tell take LT out so I can put Warren Sapp in. Well, Warren um, great show, Warren yeah. Sapp. Now there's one like Super Bowl champion, seven time Pro Bowl, four time All Pro. You know, when, to to be a Hall of Fame linebacker, you've got to playing against a Hall of Fame defensive tackle. So, you know, if you had Jack Lambert, that meant you had Mean Joe Green. Single trade, Dan Hampton. Wally Lanier had Buck Buchanan's. And Derek Brooks, who will be enshrined in the Hall of Fame, no doubt, had Warren Sapp in front of him. So it was one of those, to be one of the best, you have to be able to beat the very best. And Warren Sapp was just genuinely scary. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Warren Sapp will go in there. That lets me put, War- lets me put um, LT back to linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh Oh, so who are my remaining linebackers? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Where's my list gone? I have like 20. I said, you know, I have 25 uh, things open here. Ah, there we go. That's my other guy, Junior Seau. Junior Seau. Uh, now, Great. here's a guy who, you know, six-time All-Pro, three, uh, 12-time Pro Bowl, Man of the Year. They had to retire his jersey, you know, 1,849 tackles in his career, 56 and a half sacks. Um, he was one of those guys that, kind of, for the, the Samoan um, and kind of uh, Pacific players, he was a standout. He was a guy that inspired a lot of the, the younger, you know, guys that we have in the game now to come from, from playing kind of Hawaii and the coast. Uh, he just, he epitomised what you need in a team leader. Um, and the, the way things happened with him, it was just, it was so tragic. He was one of those great players and great people who, you know, is lost to the game and, to be honest, a loss to the human race. Yeah, I mean, again, a player that I never really sadly got to um, watch. Same with like Sean Taylor, both just suffered tragic, you know, tragic deaths, really. So it's um, another. Another example of the the dangers of playing the NFL is stuff like CTE, you know, with Junior Seau, for example. And I do fear Antonio Brown could be the same way eventually. But, um, yeah, I think it's great sport, but it comes with a, a massive risk. Um, 
So that leaves you with one more linebacker, Steve, before you do give me your, your secondary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, the problem with linebackers is it's a really big, long list of players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, this is a purely personal thing. I can't take Ray Lewis just because of what he did as a person. Um, okay. I'm, just, I'm not going to put someone who I, I think wasn't just just a great player and a great person. Mm. Um, there's a lot of great candidates there, but he is, um, yeah, just no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, can I can I throw some Eagles bias in here? No, because as good as as I think the player is, I don't think he's in that conversation. Uh, mm, yeah, there's. I'll, I'll go with. I'll go with a guy who I watched so many times um, and who I think probably deserved a much longer football career than he had. He only had 10 years in the game. Um, but his, his sack rate, his tackling, his, and obviously what then happened to him in the end um, was you know, quite tragic. Uh, that's Derek Thomas of the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, uh, I don't know if you guys remember or, or know much about him. Um, but I mean, he was like man of the year, three, nine times Pro Bowler, uh, NFL sack leader for, for the season, Hall of Fame, retired his jersey, 640 tackles in his career, 126 sacks. I mean, Derek Thomas was just an insane talent. Um, and yeah, I, I, what happened at the end of the, the 1999 season, uh, I just... Uh, I don't know. I think that the problem with the league is that this is one of those players who you can't say that his death was anything whatsoever to do with you know what he did in the field. I think what he was doing in the field, he was continuing to do the field at a really high level, and it's just a really, really unfortunate end to when, when he had that car crash in 1999. Mm-hmm. Also, no, it was the start of 2000, wasn't it? So yeah. it was just it was just uh, yeah that he died in January 2000. Um, yeah, yeah. That's right, because they I don't think the Chiefs had made the playoffs that year, so that was officially um, him in the off season. And yeah, they, they had car crash, and he he died of a blood clot, which is just ridiculous. But then again, it shows how much we've developed in terms of medicine now that something like that happened. Um, we might nowadays find you know survive him. But uh, he was you know, and again, I like to pick players who they didn't get the recognition they deserved when they were alive, and who I personally feel that. Um, I've been able to watch, I've been able to see how dominant they were, you know, rather than just watch footage of them. And I, I got to see them kind of live, live in living colour. So Derek Thomas was definitely, he'd definitely been the third choice there. Yeah, again, great player with another tragic end to a life. Um, finally, on to the final part of your team. Uh, we will just go through your, um, I'm guessing, two cornerbacks and two safeties you've gone with. Yeah, so you've already, you've already mentioned uh, Neon Dion Sanders. Uh, what what more is there you can say about the guy? Uh, you know, to, to win Super Bowls on two different teams, you know, to win, um, you know, to hold the kind of stats he had, um, playing for two different teams, you know, being a legend for two different franchises. There are very few people, I think maybe Brady can can say this. Can you name the number of players who have won Super Bowl on more than one team? Oh, um, yeah, you mentioned Tom Brady. 
Um, I'll also name the Wes Welker with the Broncos and the Patriots. Peyton Manning, you could say, with the Broncos and Colts, but there aren't many, are there? There aren't many. I'll give you an answer to that. Google, Google would like to tell me that there are a total of 64 players in history have won a Super Bowl ring with more than one team. Okay. Um, and Sanders was, the, the, he, for me, he was one of the ones who, who did it and did it in a dominant manner. Mm, you know, yeah. I think others have had that. You, know, you mentioned Wes Welker there. You've had guys who they came onto a team in a kind of lower uh, area and, and won a ring as a backup or won a ring as a kind of an alternate. You know, the guys who were just they were there to make up the team numbers. Uh, but you cannot ever say that with regards to the likes of uh Neon Deon Sanders. Yeah, uh, phenomenal player, phenomenal. Oh, I suppose, yeah, and he also played in that same area where Charles Haley was there. There's someone I missed in my uh, my list. Charles Haley was scary, genuinely scary. Mm. Uh both the, the Cowboys and the Niners. Mm. Uh, yeah, Deion Sanders. And again, it was an era where the, there were a lot of players who they could play multiple positions, and I think that gave them longevity in their career. I mean, you, you talk about Sanders just being a cornerback, but um, you know, you talk about Charles Haley, you could be a linebacker or defensive end. You know, so when you get guys like that, when they get older in their career, if they've moved around and they're versatile, I think it gives them an extra couple of years. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, moving on to your other cornerback. Who have uh, you got there? Where's he gone? I have too many screens open. Where's he gone? There he is, Ronnie Lott. Mm. Now, Ronnie, Ronnie Lott was one of those. I He was part of that really dominant uh, Niners team. I just remember seeing him, uh, especially in the Super Bowl. I think it was in uh, 88, 89. Um, and he just... I said before about how I thought Megatron was the kind of guy who, in a 50-50, you'd give him an 8% chance of winning the ball. I think if you look the other way, if you had a 50-50, Ronnie Lott had an 8% chance of winning the ball against you. Um, not to mention, Ronnie Lott was brutal. Um, his tackling was some of the hardest you'll ever see. I mean, he he didn't just he didn't just go in to stop the guy. He went in to break the guy. Uh, and players like that are you don't have them in the game any now anymore because when you get players like that they get penalised for hitting a player too hard and I'm like I, isn't that what football is about? You know you're trying to hit him hard to make him fumble the ball. You can't just say oh I can't hit him hard because you know uh, I might hurt his feelings. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Ronnie Lott is a proper throwback. Um, oh, right, which brings me on to safeties. Hang on, let me mute my tick. I'm going to click some things here. And we're back. Now, this is a harder one. Do you know what? I'm going to put just personal bias in this one because I just loved seeing him pretty much kill people on the field and have Dawkins in there. Yeah, good chat. I don't, I don't, I don't think people who rate safeties are going to put him in that top five, but as an Eagles fan, I don't think I've ever seen a safety who hits people as hard as Brian Dawkins did. 
who, who treats every game as though it's his last, the way Brian Dawkins did, um, who you know goes into uh, games like the Pro Bowl, um, not with the intention of you know playing an off-season friendly type of game, but with the intention of taking players out so that they can't play in the off-season, the way Dawkins did. Dawkins is vicious. Dawkins was vicious. Dawkins was, for me, just one of the, the most amazing players we've ever had in a franchise. Um, and much the way you say that, um, you know, Luke had what Peyton. I can't, I can't not put Dawkins in there. Yeah, without doubt, uh, without doubt. Yeah, I think as the Eagles fan, you've got to have some. It's your team, so I've got, and you're picking this team, so it's. Uh, I've got no problem at all with a little bit of, um, bit of bias to that team, not at all. It makes what what makes it different. That's what makes it different to everyone else's. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to put in the guy who Luke just put on the edge, but didn't give him his spot, which is Paul Amalu. Um, I'm putting Paul Amalu in solely for. Does anyone remember the Pat McAfee story about the A-gap? I don't don't think I've heard that one, no. I I may have. So effectively, they they were playing, it was the Steelers versus the Colts, and um, basically McAfee had said, uh, they they basically, they said, you know, they'd worked out from the way that the the, uh, Steelers lined up against them every time that what would happen was when they snapped the ball, they would all move to a certain location and there would be a hole in the A-gap. And every bit of film, the whole season, right, had been the A-gap is there. You can get through it. You can get a short yardage play out of it, right? So, like, four, 13 games into the season, they came up against the Steelers. I think it was in the third quarter. And they're sitting there, and it's like, okay, so ball comes back. And the idea was for it to be a kind of – it would come back to, to McAfee, uh, you know, and, and to the kicker, you know, he'd think it to McAfee. McAfee would throw the, throw the ball, run the ball through the A-gap, Right. So they lined up, they got everything set. And says, and suddenly he looks over and Troy Polamalu is standing in the A gap. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's that he said, and that was the reminder of, of all the players he played against, how much football IQ Troy Polamalu had mm-hmm. in that he could recognize when the opposition were lining up something different, something looked just a little bit off. And it, you know, you could tell he said that wasn't obviously how. Paul O'Malley was told to set up. That was something Paul O'Malley read and moved to. And the thing with safeties, we all know it's, it's about football intelligence. It's about reading, even before the ball leaves the quarterback's hands, where that ball is going to go. And Paul O'Malley had that in spades, probably more than any safety I've ever seen play. So, yeah, for that, Paul O'Malley gets in as a second spot. So that does conclude Steve's um, defence, which... Um, includes Reggie White uh, and Bruce Smith as defensive ends, with Warren Sapp and Aaron Donald as the defensive tackles, Lawrence Taylor, Junior Seau, and Derek Thomas as his linebackers, with Deion Sanders and Ronnie Lott as cornerbacks, and Brian Dawkins and Troy Palomalu as your safeties. And that is a very good team. So now we are on to our final defence, which of course is Luke's. So, Luke, fire away with your NFL team. Fantastic. Well, I've gone 3-4 in my defence. Okay, yeah. Uh, bit of a tough choice, actually, because there was uh, there was a few people that I wanted to to bring in. Um, I really entire, wanted to bring in... mean the entire Bears 1985 team? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> 
with them playing a six four, I thought that would be unfair. So uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> no, I went I went three four actually. So my my first choice, unsurprisingly, is William the Fridge Perry. Uh, you know, he was a monster. Nobody could have stopped him. Mm. Literally, nobody could have stopped him. Even the Guardians of the Galaxy had a hard to have a hard job stopping that guy. Mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. Um, yeah, you, you don't need to say too much more about him. Everybody knows about the the fridge. He was he was unstoppable. It was it was ridiculous. Um, I've also got Bruce Smith, uh, two time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, four time AFC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, played for the Bill, the the Bills and Redskins. What player? What player? He was unbelievable again. Really, really good. Well deserving. Uh, and I've also got Aaron Donald as my third mm-hmm. player. Again, needs no introduction. Guy's an absolute monster, an absolute modern day legend. Probably one of the best players, in my opinion, to play across the offensive line of modern times. I don't think there's anyone that really touches him. I just think he's he's, he's unbelievable, unplayable at his peak. Um, so that's that's my defensive line in terms of my uh, linebackers uh, unsurprisingly I've got a couple of Bears players I'm obviously wearing my Mike Singletree shirt so clearly he has to be in there um, again big Bears fan have to pick him I mean it's, I'm obligated to the same goes for Dick Buckus Dick, Dick Buckus basically and I think he was quoted as saying when he went on the park he hated everyone he played against and he visualised basically smashing them to bits, I think. And and that kind of typified his approach to the game. He hated everybody when he played. He really did. And he was an absolute monster. Yeah, I would never, I, I don't think I'd ever wanted to play against him because he was just, he, he was just remorseless and he, he just, and relentless, just never stopped. Um, no, um, no top pick would be complete without LT as you, as you picked, I think, Andy. Um, Lawrence Taylor, again, not much needs to be said about him that you haven't said already. And then I'm going to include Ray Lewis, actually. I know there's a bit of discussion about that, but I just think he was unbelievably good. And uh, I actually did want to pick my, my good mate Sean Lee as well, because mainly because he had such good football intelligence. He played all his career with the, the Cowboys, and he was always the man that kind of had the... The, the brain behind the playing linebacker and he was I was always really impressed by how he played and Steve might you know obviously not like the the Cowboys much being a being an Eagles fan but I think he would have to acknowledge how good Sean Lee was in that position but in the end I went with Ray Lewis just because again it's almost a no-brainer putting Ray Lewis in especially if you're if you're picking three four so I didn't think that was too controversial. Just, just to say on that, Lucas, is I may have hated the Cowboys, but I did still include two Cowboys players in that defensive line. I know. Because I you know. Just, sometimes you just have to recognise talent. Well, th- this is the thing, though, isn't it? I mean, you do have to, because like when you think about it, it's, um, it's really quite something, actually. You know, when you look back in some of these guys' career, it's, it, it is unbelievable how, at what kind of level they've reached. And that was the thing that always kind of struck me, was that they were so single-minded in their approach to the game that, you know, you, you could see how dedicated they were, but you could see how much talent they had as well. Um, and it, it wasn't just a case of, like, you know, having a bit of talent and turning up. They, they put the work in and, and you know, the, it was the whole 
the whole package, the football intelligence, the hard work, the talent that, that really made the difference. And, and you can see that, and I think especially on the defensive side of the game, there's a lot more of that, I think, because players have to really read what's happening. So there's enough. Of, there's you tend to find there's a lot more football intelligence on that side of the of the game, and I th- I always think it's really interesting uh, to think about that. Um, but especially that that Cowboys team was unbelievable, um, you know. And much as I hate Tony Tony Romo as well, the, the team he had at that time was pretty good. I, I don't like Tony Romo much, but I've, I've I've actually liked him now more that he's a commentator and kind of get him a bit better. But at the time, I hated him. So much, <laughs> but there you go. Right, so that's my um, my choices at linebacker, uh, cornerback Dion Sanders. Again, you know, don't need to say too much more. Charles Woodson's my other choice at cornerback. Again, needs no introduction at all. Anyone that knows football knows that Charles Woodson was unbelievably good, and you know, I, I don't think there's there's too much more I can add to anything that's been said already. Uh, my two safeties are Ed Reed and Eric Berry. Eric Berry's a bit controversial, but I all, I've always rated him. I always thought he was really good at safety. I did think about Troy Polamalu because, again, he, he is really, really good as a player. But I, I just like Eric Berry better. And I think Ed Reed, again, doesn't really need too much justification for being in there. Just consistently good throughout his career. Um and, and, you know, you can't really say too much more than that. Um, I just wanted to come back, actually, by the way, my OL selections were... Ah, yes. Fire away. Yeah. Anthony Munoz, Andrew Whitworth, mm-hmm. John Hogg Hanna, and Bruce Matthews. I don't think you had John Hanna in yours, did you? No. I've not got four rather than five. You're still missing one more. If I'm right. No, that makes up the 11, the back. So you've got Munoz, Whitworth, John Hanna, Bruce Matthews. Have I missed one? I don't think I have. Chuck Jason Kelson is your centre. Yeah. Obviously, from yeah. a personal bias point of view, Jason Kelson is the greatest centre of all time. Yes. Yes, actually. I forgot about the centre. Sorry. Yep, that's right. I had, I had actually missed that out. Duh. Fantastic. That's why I'm not making OC anytime soon. <laughs> well, talking of actually coaching, quick one word answers from all of you. Who would be the head coach of your team? Mike Dicker. Don Shula. <laughs> Don Shula. I'd have Bill Belichick for obvious reasons. Um, but that is the conclusion of our teams. Uh, before we go on each team, this team, actually, there were six players that have made all three of our teams. So those players are Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Aaron Donald, Lawrence Taylor, and Deion Sanders. So let's just quickly run through each team before we do depart on this episode. So going back to my team, it was Tom Brady as quarterback, Barry Sanders as my running back, with Jerry Rice and Randy Moss as wide receivers, with both tight ends of Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski, with my O-line being Anthony Munoz, Forrest Gregg, Bruce Matthews, Larry Allen and Orlando Pace, with my punters being Shane Leckler and my kicker being Justin Tucker and my head coach being Bill Belichick. Over to Luke's team, he had Joe Montana. Oh, so and the defense of my team, I should say, was Reggie White, Aaron Donald, Mean Joe Green, and Bruce Smith on the defensive line. It was Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis, and Dick Budkiss as our linebackers. And then Deion Sanders, Ronnie Lott, um, Ed Reed, and Charles Woodson as our secondary. 
And then looking over to Luke's team, his offense was has Joe Montana quarterback, Walter Payton and Barry Sanders as running backs, Jerry Rice and Mandy Moss as the wide receivers, Tony Gonzalez as his tight end with Anthony Munoz, Andrew Whitworth, Jason Kelsey, John Hanna, Bruce Matthews on his offensive line with Pat McAfee as the punter and Justin Tucker as the kicker with his defense being a 3-4 formation, William Perry, Bruce Smith, Aaron Donald, Mike Singletary, Dick Butker, Lawrence Taylor and Ray Lewis as linebackers before Ed Reed, Edward Berry and Charles Woodson and Dion Sanders as his secondary with Mike Ditka as his head coach. And then finally, Steve's team had Dan Marino quarterback, Bruce Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders as his running backs, Jerry Rice and Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson as his wide receivers with Antonio Gates as the tight end with Randall McDaniel, Bruce Smith, Jason Kelsey, Larry Allen and Anthony Munoz as his offensive line with both Pat McAvee and Adam Vinatieri as the kicker and punter, respectively. Defence-wise, he had Reggie White uh, and Bruce Smith as his defensive ends, with Warren Sapp and Aaron Donald as defensive ends, Junior Seau, Lawrence Taylor and Derek Thomas as the linebackers, with Deion Sanders, Brian Dawkins, Troy Polamalu and Ronnie Lott as secondary, with uh, Don Shula as his head coach. So that is the conclusion of our all-time NFL teams. Hopefully you guys enjoy and do let us know if you can which of the three teams you'd back more than the rest. Um, and of course, we are, as stated in one of the previous podcasts, we are changing platforms, still part of the Eurotrips network, but just a different podcast platform just to get all your NFL content with us in one go. And the first episode on that new platform will be with these two as we go through our season prediction predictions the week before the start of the season so thank you once again luke and steve for coming on thank you welcome and we will see you guys for our next season preview for a team so i've been andy this has been luke this has been steve and we will see you guys next time bye cheers